Hi, and welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I'm your host, Kate Noel. I love honest health and wellness, and I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome or welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. My name is Kate Noel, and I am very happy that you are here. And today I'm going to be chatting about periods and hormones um, inspired by me getting my period this morning, Um, like not that long ago. I've been wanting to do this podcast anyways, and I had a different one that I was going to do, but because I got my period, I was like, it's a sign. Um, And I did expect to get it, like, but anyways, okay, so we're going to talk about periods today. If periods gross you out or you don't like talking about them, then what are you doing? Okay. It's 2023. End of the shame. But yeah, um, I thought that it would be a good idea to talk about some things that I have done to keep my period regular because I, a little backstory, I struggled from, or I, I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when you don't have a period um, due to stress of the body. That's the underlying factor. The stress that often comes from, the the source of the stress is often related to not eating enough food for the amount of energy you're putting out. So that manifests a lot in athletes. It manifests a lot in people with eating disorders it manifests in people who live very stressful lives and have a hard time managing their stress. But essentially, it is a matter of stress. There's too much stress for the body. There's not enough energy to mitigate that stress. There's not enough energy to ovulate. There's not enough energy to have a period, to build a strong enough lining of the uterus, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and It's called hypothalamic amenorrhea because there's something called your HPA axis, which is um, the communication between your endocrine glands, like your hypothalamus and your brain and your um, thyroid and your ovaries and these um, endocrine glands in your body that are responsible for carrying hormones, which are messengers, um, and telling your body to ovulate, telling your body, oh, it's safe enough for this woman, for me to, I mean, really it's to have, uh, to ovulate, to have fertility, have a baby right now. It makes sense, right? And basically, so what happens is that communication kind of gets shut off and there's really no longer um, communication between your endocrine glands. For people who menstruate, um, this is usually the thing that gets turned off kind of first. Like if you take somebody and you stop feeding them, like yourself possibly, but if you take somebody, take take a person that's menstruating, you stop feeding them or you make them go on a crazy run every day and don't give them enough food to replenish from that run, then you know, you're going to start to see this person, this person's metabolism adapt. Um, And I have some episodes on metabolism, but essentially for me, at least, and for a lot of people, 
what looks what it looked like for me when I was restricting um, and over exercising, and when it looked what it looked like for me to like not have my period and to see my metabolism slowly but surely adapt. You know, it started off with oh, like I lost a couple pounds, lost a couple more pounds. Oh, my digestion's not very good. Oh, I have some brain fog, and then like boom, period went away. It's kind of the first thing that goes away. Um, because it's not an it's not a survival like necessity to ovulate. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a podcast that's called an episode that's called "Why You Want Your Period," and it's a really important episode that I'd love for you to listen to if you have any doubts about like, well, why, why would I even want a period, and why do I even want to ovulate? Please listen to that episode because I go into details about why I personally think it is. A good idea and why there's research that it, it, it is good for people to have a period if their body is, you know, in that age age range. So, um, you know, it, even though periods are sometimes painful and annoying, I have cramps right now a little bit. I can feel it. I'm a little bit bloated. My digestion's not very good because of the prostaglandins that make your uterus contract and which also makes your digestion contract. So that's, you know, it, if anyone out there has had a period, you know, it's, it's just a lot going on <laughs> down there. So um, it's not like it's fun to be on your period, but I am really proud of how my cycle has uh resulted like the way that how it is now I'm very hormonally regular and when I first got my period back it was in 2000 I think it was 2018 um about a year into my recovery or so I think it was actually more like nine months into my recovery I like my full-on recovery and um it was not uh, regular it was very sporadic I remember getting it back and my first period was extremely unexpected. I remember thinking I needed to probably give myself at least like four or five more months. Um, maybe I should do a podcast episode about getting my period back. I've shared before, but it's a really special story. Let me know if you want me to do that. Um, and I, you know, I didn't get it again. I got it like maybe 45 days later. Again, my second one, it was really discouraging. And then the third one was like 30 days later and then I didn't get it for a couple months. Like it was it was very um, random and sporadic. And then from then, you know, 2018 until now, I know I've had quite a few periods and um, I'm at a point now and I have been for a while, but especially I feel like the past couple of years, I have really seen my hormones regulate and shift in a way that feels very aligned and I've done quite a bit of experimenting, not experimenting, but just like observing, you know, what changes my menstrual cycle and my ovulation quality with like lifestyle changes and stuff like that. So I thought I would share with you personally what has made my period and ovulation really strong and regular and feeling normal. Um, so let's do it. Okay, the first thing that really matters for me, and I'll look, also, side note, everyone is really different. I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. If you do not have a period 
If you're concerned at all about anything hormonal, please go to your OBGYN, get tested, be honest, and listen to their advice first and foremost. And please do not um, change your life because of this podcast um, in a way that would like harm you or your hormones or anything like that. So just, yeah. Okay, so the first thing that really affects my period, my ovulation, is exercise. I personally do not do well with cardio, (laughs) with intense cardio, with high intense interval training, high intensity cardio, anything sprinting fast and then slow and fast and slow. I know that so many people say like, it's the best way to burn fuel and energy and I'm sure it is. And I'm not saying this is not a good thing for women to do, but for me personally, if I do anything like that, any sort of CrossFit, any, not that I do CrossFit, anything like that, or going for a run even, I have got to eat like a whole other meal's worth of food at least just because my body, I just know that that's a really sensitive thing for my body. So I don't really do a lot of cardio and it's not because I like high intensity sprinting, running cardio is what I mean. It's not because I don't it's actually not really because I'm worried about my hormones. It's more so I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. <laughs> um, it doesn't excite me. I would rather do like weight training or yoga or Pilates or stretching or something like that or walking. Like walking is great. What is it called? LIS, low intensity impact lit? I don't know. Like like walking. I would love walking. You know, I love to walk around, get sun, get vitamin D. Um but like I said, yeah, the, I just don't really have a desire to do the cardio or the intense um, training like that. So exercise is is really crucial for me to uh, manage. For a long time, like the beginning of my – or like maybe a year or so after I got my period back, I started doing kind of those like hit classes and, oh, my God, the fucking YouTube videos with the Chloe Ting. Sorry, girl. Sorry, not sorry, but – that was a lot, right? Those were like a lot of intense burst type of movements. And I kind of was doing some of those, um, not really the Chloe Tang one, but just some of those YouTube videos. Like I, my period wasn't regular. It wasn't as regular as it it is now. It was like my cycles were, would be like 38 days. And like, you know, the next one would be 25. And I just didn't have a very regular good cycle. And my ovulation wasn't very strong. So, um, you know, I just feel like that's really what what, you know, was going on. And and that's why my cycle, that's one of the reasons why my cycle wasn't super regular. So exercise for me, like I mentioned, really low intensity, mindful movement. I do enjoy weight training. I kind of haven't done it in a while um, with everything going on in my life. I haven't hit in the gym lately. It's all good. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy weight training. I don't go too hard. Um, I definitely have to eat, again, I have to eat a a significant amount more when I'm weight training. Um, I just, I crave more food. I am hungrier. Um, and I know now how important it is to make sure I'm eating enough, uh, carbs and protein and keeping myself feeling really good. So I do also enjoy Pilates and yoga and hiking and walking. And honestly, like, 
my movement nowadays is just like, I just like to do something during the day that feels like I'm moving my body in some way, whether that's a stretch, whether that's a walk, whether that's a hike, whether that's a class. Um, but again, nothing super intense. Not to say that's not everyone's cup of tea and a lot of people can have healthy hormones who and they can, you know, be marathon runners, right? Like it's not, this is not a one size fits all sort of thing. The next thing that really makes my period nicer and and more regular and my ovulation stronger is taking inositol and taking liver supplements. Now, this might be controversial, but, and you cannot out supplement a restrictive diet or a not nutrient dense diet, whatever, like you can't. So this is like an additional thing. Um, But I've talked about liver supplements before. I don't love the taste of liver or I would eat it, um, but I take desiccated dried liver and it's just a bioavailable form of vitamins and minerals. It's not synthetic and I don't take the full dosage every day. I take, I think I get mine from Erewhon usually and I just take a couple pills a day and it's really like the only, it's like one of the only supplements I consistently take that I find actually really helps me a lot um, in terms of like my energy and um, I don't actually like I'm not 100% sure that like and actually I don't think this is the this is like as important as the other things I'm mentioning like this is kind of a fun little extra thing liver is kind of expensive so it's definitely like don't you don't have to do this you sh- we shouldn't have to do this to have a healthy cycle I'll honestly like I should have a healthy cycle even if I don't take liver but it does um, it does make me feel uh, that better and it's something that has really helped the inositol is a b derivative vitamin i believe and i don't take it every single day but i take it every once in a while it was recommended by um my ob when i told her my period was a little bit irregular again talk to your doctor make sure it's all good for you to take something like that um i don't take it every day but it's Helpful with blood sugar regulation if it's something that you struggle with. But like I said, please, 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 please keep in mind that like if you are not eating in a way that's supportive to your hormones and your blood sugar, then it's a losing situation for you to take inositol because it's like a Band-Aid solution. And I don't even feel like it would really, I don't know if it would even really work. And it's not suitable for everyone. So just keeping that in mind. Um, and okay, so the next thing that I know has helped my hormones tremendously is limiting my caffeine intake. Um, and this is kind of a, a general thing, or not a general thing, but like this is like a snowball effect. Limiting my caffeine intake has made me to, to one cup of coffee a day um, and then no coffee after like 1 p.m. That has made me so much more able to sleep (laughs) and it's improved my digestion as well and these two things have made my hormones more regular so it's kind of like a a correlation thing Um, but if I do have like a ton of coffee um, or caffeine then I really feel like it affects my cycle a lot like Maybe not so much anymore, but especially in the beginning of my HA recovery, hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery, um, I really had to quit the coffee and I had to just do everything I could to mitigate the stress. 
And the thing about coffee that's important here or any sort of caffeinated beverage is to have it with your meal and or to not have it black, not have black coffee, like have some, I have whole milk in my coffee, a lot of it. And, um, you know, you can put a little honey in there, a little cream, even a little sugar if you want. And um, make sure you just have it with your meal if you're going to have it black because coffee is a stimulant um, and caffeine is a stimulant. And if you're stimulating your body on an empty stomach, um, it's a stress, it elicits a stress response, right? Caffeine is a stress response, like that feeling that you feel that makes you feel awake it's good. It feels good. And it's not unhealthy. It's only unhealthy if you don't support it. So supporting um, yourself by having those, uh, you know, that milk and some or cream with it is supportive. And then, like I said, inherently reducing my caffeine has made me a much better sleeper at night. And it's made me and that and honestly, sleep is kind of another point. I originally, I wasn't going to make it a point, but let's talk about sleep. Sleep is very important. I, um, you know, just to give you some background, my periods now are, my cycle length now is anywhere from 25 to 28 days. And that's way more regular than what it was, you know, a few years ago. And my ovulation is very strong. I can tell when I'm ovulating. Um, I can tell when I'm going to get my period because I shed a few tears usually the day before. Although I didn't cry yesterday. I don't know. Um, So... Yeah, um, I really need to sleep in order to have a strong ovulation. I did my movie uh, last month and it was two weeks of night shoots basically and I wasn't sleeping and I actually got my period fine that month, um, which was kind of shocking to me. It made me really feel strong and healthy but um, I know that if I was in the beginning of my AJ recovery, that would have really thrown me off. Um, but, you know, I did other things to support the lack of sleep I was getting. Like I was having like extra meals during that time. I was literally eating like six meals a day because I was I was up and I was using energy. Um, so I, my body just needed more energy. AJ recovery is all about energy and stress. So it's like if you do things that suck your energy out, you need to like fix that, you know, or you need to like mitigate that. That's usually that's with food or with rest or with, um, you know, meditation or any sort of stress relieving thing, but usually it's food. That's like an accessible kind of more tangible thing. So having really good sleep hygiene is really important. I think I have a sleep hygiene episode. Um, but you know, just generally like cooling your room down. I have an air purifier. I have a fan. I like just, I sleep, you know, uncomfortable things. I, I I just need that freedom and I need that need that sleep. Um, staying off my phone as much as possible, that sort of thing. Um, the last thing that really has helped my cycle regulate is tracking my cycle. Um, like I said, I know when I'm ovulating and I know when I'm going to get my period now. And that is very helpful. Now, I know that there's cycle syncing out there. If you've not heard of cycle syncing, it's basically like kind of a specific way of exercising and eating um, and living your life, socializing according to your cycle. So 
you know, we have four phases in our cycle. We have our um, follicular phase, which is when our um, bodies release, are releasing our follicles. Um, they're preparing to release the follicle or the egg eventually. And then um, the follicle matures and it comes out of your ovary, which is ovulation, which is the next phase. And then the um, phase after that is the luteal phase. And that's when your progesterone's at its peak. And that's when your body is um, seeing if you're going to be pregnant, basically, um, and kind of preparing for that. And then the menstruation phase is when you're bleeding because you are not pregnant. Um, so it's basically like living your life according to that sort of whatever phase of the cycle you're in, you know, follicular phase, usually you feel pretty good. You've just got on, gotten off your period. You have a burst of energy um, and you can kind of start to feel a little bit more on your feet and then exercising a little bit more intensely, um, eating in a way that feels really inspiring. And then ovulation, you know, you feel really, um, really good. You feel turned on easier. You feel like, you know, you're just on top of your game. You feel super social. Um, and then your luteal phase, you kind of start to dip. I do start to dip. You kind of feel a little sad, a little bit PMS vibes. Um, you know, you don't feel very great that this is when my like skin kind of breaks out and I feel just kind of like I want to stay inside, honestly. Like I don't feel very social. Am I tired? My digestion's kind of off. And then my menstrual phase is when obviously the bleeding happens and, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel super good. So that's kind of what it is. Um, but anyways, the thing that really helped me was not necessarily tracking my cycle, like cycle syncing. I don't cycle sync really. Um, I don't go intense with it. I don't like eat very specific foods and like seeds and do any sort like if I want to do a yoga class I'll do it when I want to do a yoga class like I don't have to be on my certain phase of my cycle or blah blah, blah. I, I'm I feel like that's a little stressful for me to to track in that way which isn't a bad thing if that's what you want to do but for me it's not but for me it's just not really what I prefer to do um but I do use an app and I do um, generally know my symptoms and I do listen really carefully to my body and what my body is telling me to do. Um, and I feel like just understanding or getting to know your body really well is very helpful here. If you've never like paid any attention to your cervical mucus, this is a great opportunity to do that. I know it sounds strange, but you can look at your cervical mucus and you can feel it and you can see if it's stretchy then you're ovulating and if you feel like there's more of it then you're ovulating and if you feel good then you're probably ovulating um and then you can think about well i'm about to enter into my luteal phase and so i might be feeling a little sad i might be feeling a little bit hungrier and i just kind of want to stay in and when you you know when you start to kind of understand your cycle and your body and you get really familiar with your body then um I feel that that's something that's helped me just be way more intuitive and conscious. It's not like an overnight learning experience. It's kind of like learning to eat again after you've been restricting for so long, if that's something that you did. It's not like it happens overnight. It's like lived experience that really helps you get to where you want to be. So it's taken me a while to understand my body really well. And now that I do, I just feel really strong. 
in it and it feels really good to be in that place. So, you know, um, that's, that's that side note. One more thing before I end this episode, my periods have drastically improved since switching over to a menstrual cup. I used to use tampons. I was using a cup for a while. I wasn't using it right because I was shoving it all the way up my cervix because someone told me that's how you're supposed to do it. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Okay. You're supposed to have it sit at the bottom of your vagina opening, like your vagina. So um, I started doing that instead and now it's working great and it's not doing the weird leaking stuff it used to do. And my cramps are so much less intense. And I feel like using a cup has drastically changed the length of my bleeding and the length of, uh, and the intensity of my cramps. And um, if you haven't tried one yet, give it a shot because they're pretty affordable nowadays. I feel like you can get one on Amazon for like 30 bucks. And um, that pays itself off in a couple months if you're used to buying pads or tampons. Also, even greater than the menstrual cup is period underwear. I'm using some from Rael. Um, I'm literally wearing the boy shorts right now and they're super comfortable. I really like the Rael ones. And um, I sleep in them. And if I'm not like out and about, I will wear them around the house. So they're really, really great. And I also love those. Just putting a tampon in makes my skin crawl nowadays. Like I hate the feeling. It's like a waste. Like it makes my cramps worse. Like I don't like it. So that's just a side note. Okay. Periods. Um, if you haven't gotten your period back and you're on HA recovery, keep going. Um, you got this. I didn't have any hope for myself (laughs) when I was trying to get mine back. I had like no signs or symptoms. Again, if you want me to share my HA recovery story, like more in detail, I'd be happy to, because it's really like special. Um, DM me and let me know if you'd like that. Okay. Thanks for listening. Take the cake. Please don't forget to leave a rating and a review if you like this episode or this podcast, and I will see you on the next one.